tap a couple of people before you, before you grab a seat and tell them he is risen. I know it's not Easter, but, you know, it's always good to remind somebody that he is risen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Some of you guys are okay. All right, let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? There we go. We got some greats. We've got some doing wells. We've got some goods. That is great. That means that you guys are ready to hear. I didn't hear an amen. Okay. You go, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Well, if you are our guest this morning, as Pastor Jordan said, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. My name is Stefan. Pastor Stefan is my pastor name. Um, I am our senior high and young adults pastor here at Stouffville Pentecostal Church. Uh, and Pastor Jeff and Helen, they are on vacation this week. And so if this is your first time here and you haven't met them, you have to come back next week uh, so that you can meet them. And then you have to come back the week after because that's our grand opening weekend. So, you know, I've now mapped out your next pretty much the whole month of September for you guys. So, you know, I've got, I hope your iPhones are out and your calendars are filled already. Uh, anything Amazing happening this week? Parents, anything amazing happening this week? Oh, I heard a couple of yeses. It's back to school week. How many of you guys are excited for that? Someone said no. I know every student that I've asked, they are not looking forward uh, to going back to school. But listen, that's that's life. You got to go to school. You got to learn. Unless you are homeschooled, which then you get to stay home and still go to school at the same time. This is a sort of win-lose situation. (sighs) I'm excited to be here. How are you guys? All right, everybody good? All right, we're good, we're good. Hey, Todd and Lydia, it's good to see you guys here this morning, and baby Paul's here as well. Hi, uh, you guys are looking well, getting a lot of sleep? No? Well, one day I'll get there, and I'll probably share in that, but for now, I'm getting all the sleep I can get. If, uh, if you are with, anybody have an actual Bible here? No, that's what I thought. If you, oh, there we go. There we go. We've got a few. We've got a few. If you have your Bible with you, would you turn with me into the book of Daniel? Uh, Daniel chapter 3. That's where we're going to go this morning. Uh, And I want to spend a little bit of time, not too long this morning, uh, probably, you know, 45 minutes. That's okay with you guys? All right, 45 minutes. All right, we'll set the timer, 45 minutes. I'll spend a little bit of time this morning in Daniel chapter 3. I, I, I was, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I wrestled with this all week. In fact, I wrestled with this for the last three weeks. I very rarely wrestle with a text like I had uh, this past week, going back and forth and sort of arguing with the Lord and saying, God, I, you know, I don't know if this is where you want me to go. Are you sure there's not something better I could preach from in the New Testament? And for some reason, the Lord arrested my attention on this text and wouldn't let me go anywhere. And so we're in Daniel chapter 3, and allow me to explain some of the backstory. We're in Babylon, not the, the song, on the rivers of Babylon. Not there. We're in ancient Babylon. We're, we're in the old, old testament here. And, and the Israelites have found themselves in a bit of captivity. They had been ransacked by King Nebuchadnezzar, the great king of Babylon. And they had taken the Israelites hostage. They had, taken, they had laid siege to Jerusalem. And you can read about that in Second Kings chapter 24, 25, the back part of that uh, book there. And you'll 
also read in the beginning of Daniel, just some of the, the trials and the tribulations that the people go through. And so we're in Babylon, and, and Daniel, for whose name we get this book, has three friends, and they're, they're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, to me, they're Rack, Shack, and Benny from VeggieTales, if anybody remembers VeggieTales. There are a few of you who remember VeggieTales. I remember VeggieTales very well. I actually looked up the, uh, the story of this on YouTube because I, like, I couldn't even find my VeggieTales VHS because who has VHSs anymore? And I was like, oh, this is such a good story with Mr. Lutz and the cucumber and the chocolate bunny and oh, such good times. And so here we are in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel is nowhere to be found. We are focusing on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Allow me to read from chapter 13. Uh, and I will read where we are, and I'm going to set a little background for you. It says this, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage in order that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? Allow me to pause right there for you. Sorry, right there for you. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream in chapter 2 that an image of him was built. And so for some strange reason, uh, I mean, if I had a dream about an image of me being built, I might take that on my own. No, no, I wouldn't. He decided that he was going to build a gold statue of himself. And he made a decree that everybody, when they heard the music playing, had to worship the statue. They had to bow down. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, nobody. We're not doing them things. The God we serve tells us not to do that. And so this is where we are. Let us continue. I will give you one more chance, King Nebuchadnezzar says to them, to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. Here we are in the king's court. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, King Nebuchadnezzar, probably a bunch of royal people there as well. Everybody has heard the decree. Everybody has heard what they're supposed to do. They know the command, the music plays, and you bow down, you worship the statue, and then you go about your day. except for these three. See, this morning, I want to highlight a couple of things. If you're if you follow me on Facebook, consider this my five thoughts for Sunday, September the 2nd. You see, I want to highlight the faithfulness of three, of three young men that we can emulate. And then later on, we're going we're gonna to highlight the God with whom we serve. We're here, and they refuse to bow down. So they say this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Now, I've never been in front of a king. I've never been in front of, like, you know, royalty, someone who has absolute power. The closest I probably have been 
is in front of my mom. Uh, and listen, I don't know if you're brave. I would not stand in front of my mom and say, I don't need to defend myself in front of you. My mom's an old school lady. Um, you know, for, for some of you younger kids, um, listen, ah, back in the day, if you decided you were going to do that to a parent, there was no go to your room. There was not go sit down in the corner. Listen, it was either a box in the face or a slap in the face because you spoke disrespectfully or even worse, wait till your father get home. That was even worse. So the, the, just the ability they had to stand in front, that is, that's what I think of when I think of that. The ability, the courage, the confidence they had to stand in front of King Nebuchadnezzar and say, we do not need to defend ourselves in front of you. It tells me that they had a resolved faith. They had a resolved faith. They knew that their God was sovereign over everything. They had made up their minds enough that they did not feel the need to defend. Their actions, they didn't need to defend their words. They, they were resolved. They knew that they were guilty in, in man's eyes. But they held on to their faith because our God is sovereign. Our God is over everything. They had shown a little bit of resolve earlier, as I mentioned, in, in Daniel chapter 1, when they had been taken from Israel and they were put into Babylon. The king selected them to be a part of this program where everybody would serve the king in, in the king's court. And everybody ate of the, the good, fine, rich Babylonian foods. But they were like, no, we're not going to defile ourselves. God has laid out how we're going to eat. And with your permission, this is how we're going to eat. And now that I think about it, I probably could use that myself. It probably would be healthier. And, and if you read in Daniel chapter 1, verse 6 and 13, they turned out to be the fittest and the healthiest and the strongest out of all of the people that were in the program because they had resolve. You know, we live in a world that says the things of God are not right. We live in a world that says, nah, the, the Bible, it's old. We live in a world that says the Bible, it doesn't matter today. We're 2018. We've got open minds. I don't even know what that really means. Like, how do you open your mind? But the same God was God yesterday. He's the same God today. And he'll be the same God forevermore. Am I right? Or am I just... You know what? You guys are a little too quiet this morning. Maybe I, I, didn't, I didn't get you riled up enough. Tap your neighbor and say, Hey, neighbor. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Now, you weren't convincing enough. You knew this was going to happen. I set you guys up. Tap your other neighbor and say, Hey, other neighbor. My God, no, you got to say a little attitude. My God is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if you believe that, give God a clap of praise in this place this morning. 
So we live in a world that says that God, it doesn't apply anymore. But we need to make a decision that we are going to stand for God and not sit when the problems arise. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that God was sovereign over all. And, and that is a truth that we can apply. We need to resolve our faith by remembering that our God is sovereign. He is in control over everything. Let's keep going in the story. Verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, uh, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. I read this and I was like, yo, not only are they going to defy the king, they had the nerve to be like, listen, whatever. We don't care about your furnace. Sorry, guys. I, I need to explain that sometimes when I read the Bible, I sort of just bring it into like how I look at the world sometimes. And so I sort of talk as though that's how they would talk. But so bear with me. They had the nerve to be like, listen, we don't care about your furnace, buddy. You can heat it up as hot as you want. My God, Yahweh, he is able. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. You see, they had a faith that was based in the scriptures. They had a resolved faith, but they also had a strong faith. A strong faith. Their faith was based in the scriptures, in the word of God. How do I know that? Well, here, here's what I'm thinking. You see, they were Jewish boys, and uh, they, at some point in time in their brought up, see, in their, in their growing up, they had to have been taught the law. They had to have been taught the old stories in the older part of the Old Testament, Genesis. And so they probably had to know that God saved the Israelites from Pharaoh and that God had promised Abraham that the people would see the promised land. And when you get the word of God into you, it strengthens your faith. See, that's why we need the word of God in our life. Because it strengthens our faith. They knew of David's mighty victories. They knew of what God had done through the men and women that God had used. And, and they, they remembered that. They probably read the words of God when, when the psalmist wrote in, in Psalm 50 verse 15. Anybody know that off the top of their heads? Psalm chapter 50 verse 15. Sorry, I didn't tell you guys this would be Bible quiz this morning. I'll wait till someone gets it. Psalm chapter 50, verse 15. We're getting there. What was that? Oh, call upon me in the day of trouble. They're in trouble. And I will deliver you. I bet you they had that verse memorized. This verse probably strengthened their faith. The words of the psalmist. How do we strengthen our faith? By getting the word into us. Faith was based in the scriptures. If our faith is based in the scriptures. 
will be strengthened because we remember the word of God. They had a resolved faith. They had a strong faith. I love when I read the the Bible and I see what God does for his people. And it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to, to deliver us the way that we want deliverance. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to give us what we want, but he'll give us what we need. Resolve faith, a strong faith. Let's carry on. Verse 18, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Standing boldly in front of a king. We want to make it just that language alone. Anybody ever be a, been a manager or someone in charge of something? And then you have someone come up to you and say, listen, I want to make it very clear to you. I ain't doing this. That's pretty much what they did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we ain't bowing down to your gods. We're not bowing down to your statue. We ain't kneeling when you tell us to kneel. We serve the one true God that is Yahweh. Their faith was resolved. Their faith was strong. And their faith was firm. It was staunch. They didn't have doubts about Yahweh. They were willing to die for their faith. They had an unwavering belief. They want to remind the king that, listen, we ain't bowing down. Death is nothing for the God that they served. Death is nothing for the God that we serve. Absent from the body is to be present with the Savior. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I I really think that they, they probably thought to Job when Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Yet will I trust him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they, they show us how what good, strong, biblical faith is. It's firm, it's resolved, it's strong. But what about us? You know, people seem to have this weird idea that we, as followers of God, if you're not a follower today, I sorry. People seem to think that we think that God is a vending machine. We've given out that perspective perception that God's a vending machine. I got to put a little faith in here and I'll get a nice miracle here. I wish, but that's not how it works. And I have to be very careful because we sometimes do a disservice to ourselves when we render our faith to an outcome. Our faith can't be built on a particular outcome. It has to be in our God. You know, when we pray for something and when the outcome doesn't, doesn't go the way we want it, we get discouraged. We feel we did something wrong. We didn't pray hard enough. Or, or maybe we didn't sow a big enough seed or we need to tithe more. Listen, I'm all in favor of you sowing bigger seeds and I'm all in favor of you tithing more. But you cannot tie the amount you give to what God is going to do. 
That is not where your faith is in. Your faith is in what God's plan is to do. Their words, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, tell us that their faith is not measured by strength of our expectations, but by the strength of the conviction that whatever my God ordains is right. We need to not boil our relationship with God down to a feeling. Feelings change. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. No, feelings change, but God does not. Faith should not change. When we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they live as faithful children of God. The Bible gives us numerous people, gives us numerous stories about people who live by faith. If you turn into the book of Hebrews, you don't have to do it right now, but in in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it, it lists a hall of faith, of fame, of people who did life by faith. They might not have experienced God's promises firsthand, but they were able to see them from afar. Moses didn't get to enter the promised land, but he saw it from afar. It is by faith that we trust in God when life gets hard. It's by faith that we trust in God when things get tough. It is by faith that we hold on to God's word when it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. It's by faith that the Israelites Israelites marched around Jericho seven times. Their feet may have felt tired, But their faith said, keep on going. It is by faith that we trust the word of God. It is by faith that we stand and proclaim the goodness of God. It is by faith that we serve a risen Savior that is active and alive. It is by faith that makes us right with God and gives us joy in the face of persecution. Because we look forward to God's glory. Romans 5 verse 1 to 2 says our faith makes us right with God and gives us joy in the face of persecution. Because we look forward to God's glory. What trial? What fire? What are you standing in front of? What opposition? What's something that that you have to stand up against? Here it is. A strong faith, a resolved faith, a firm faith. Now right here, we could probably stop and I could call the band back up and we could leave here tools to strengthen our faith. How do we go forward in our faith? We could leave here completely feeling great, knowing that we serve a great God, knowing that we serve a God who loves us, who takes care of us, and when we stand up for him, Oh, wait a second. We got to finish. We got to (laughs) finish. There's more to this text. Because there's more to the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood up to the king. They, They made their statement. They would not bow down. They were going to stand for God. They were not going to follow what society was saying, which is tremendous. And Nebuchadnezzar heard this, and he said, you know what? I respect your Nope, he didn't say that. They blatantly disregarded an order from the king. 
the most powerful king in all the land. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, nah, maybe you'll do it tomorrow. Nope. That's not what happened either. King Nebuchadnezzar was judge, jury, and executioner. And when you disobey the king in front of everybody, the way that he did, there are going to be repercussions. Let's read on. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. I don't know how they measured that back in those days. Like, was they, like, did they have a thermometer? An old school thermometer? I guess I need to brush up on my Old Testament antiquity history. Uh, he heated the, the fire seven times hotter. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and they threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, just sort of fell into the roaring flames. Help me out here. How angry did King Nebuchadnezzar get that he wanted the flames hotter? Hold on. Seven times hotter? Ooh-wee. Someone circle that in your Bible. If you've got a Bible, just circle that seven there. Just, you know, because when the, the number seven pops up in Scripture, you know what that means. There, there's something good going to happen. But I can't reveal it yet because i got to deal with this little, slight little problem we have here. Nebuchadnezzar gets so mad, the fire is seven times hotter, and the people who were supposed to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in end up dying. I assume they died because of heat stroke. That, to me, is the only thing they could have died of. The fire was so hot, they were exposed to heat. I wonder what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thinking in that moment. When they're standing there and the men who are in charge of throwing them into the fire have died, but they're still standing there. I'm sorry, it must be my voice. I love you. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they dash. They they just fall into the fire. Let's read on. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his, his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. But look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. In this very moment, the Lord is present with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That fourth person in the fire is no stranger to your Bible. This isn't his first appearance in the Old Testament. This is not the first time that someone appears like this. Scholars believe, and and so do I, that this is Jesus pre-incarnate. This is Jesus before coming through Mary. This is Jesus before he stepped, uh, came out the virgin birth, and before he died on the cross. This is Jesus, the same mystery man that wrestled with Jacob in Genesis. 
This is the Savior. This is our Father. This is God the Father coming to rescue his people. And then they go, and Nebuchadnezzar has this moment where he sees the fourth. And remember earlier when when Nebuchadnezzar says, which God can save you? And I believe when he said that, he challenged Abba Father and said, there is no God that can save you from my power. And God in heaven went, oh, yeah? You want to see something? Nebuchadnezzar challenges God, and God says, all right, I'll show up. God shows up, and he reveals that he is the supreme ruler over all things. And while Nebuchadnezzar has power, his power is no match for God's power. Nebuchadnezzar had no idea that he put himself into a contest with Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, Jehovah Ra, the Lord our shepherd, Jehovah Sekenu, the Lord our righteousness. And in this moment, Jehovah Shama, the Lord is present or with you. Then Nebuchadnezzar, let me read on, came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, the officials, the governors, the advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads were singed and the clothing that they were wearing were not scorched and they didn't even smell like smoke because our God was present. Why do we trust and have faith? Because God is able God is able. Only Yahweh can deliver. We don't trust, uh, we don't just trust blindly. We trust knowing that God is able. Hold on. Only Yahweh, only our God is able. There is no other God who can do what God does. There is no other God that will show up in a fire to rescue his people. Only Yahweh is able. Tap your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, long time no talk. Only Yahweh is able. God is able. And how many times in the history of Israel did God prove himself able? How many times did God come down and rescue the people of Israel? How many miracles did he do to save them? How many miracles has God done in your life to save you? How many times has God shown up in your life in ways you didn't think possible, in ways you didn't expect, because only God is able? It doesn't matter how much power mankind has. You could be president of the, nope, you can be prime minister of Canada, but your power doesn't matter compared to Yahweh. Only God is able. Hasn't he proved himself able in your life? Reveal the second thing that God is good. We have faith because God is good. A fellow preacher in of the word summed it up like this. 
He said, we trust God's provision not because our circumstances are always good, but because he has demonstrated that he is good. He entered our lives in the dust of an animal stall. He gave his life on a cross made, by, made filthy by the guilt of our sin. Faith now rests in the love his presence has always demonstrated. When our religious optimism is dried up, we can still rest in his love. When we are not certain what the best turn of events might be, we can still rest in his love. When we are unable to predict how we will handle a situation, we can rest in his love. Because the God who is all-powerful and all-wise has shown how much he cares for us through the cross of Jesus Christ. Faith rests in his love even when the mind cannot search out his reasons. We trust him because through his son, God has shown us how much he loves us. Faith rests in this love that God is good. Oftentimes, I've been guilty of this myself. We look at this text. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've preached this text before, not this way. Oftentimes, we look at this text. And we we point out the fact, we make a big deal of the fact that God delivered them from the fire. I've preached it this way before, I'm telling you. God, I've said it, God will deliver you from the fire. And as I was looking over this text, I realized I may have been a little bit wrong. See, it's not about the deliverance from the fire. It's the fact that he is Jehovah Shammah, that, that he is present. And in the midst of the fire, he was there. In the midst of your trial, God is with you. God didn't deliver them from the fire. He delivered them in the midst of it. In the middle of the fire, there he stood. In the middle of a tough situation that you're going through, God is with you. In the middle of that challenging situation, God is with you. He's standing there. He is present with you. That is the God that we serve. He is good. He is able because we serve him and he takes care of 